Welcome pod. Welcome back into the Chris Mathis podcast. Chris Mathis, Spencer Mathis, back here with you guys after week one of the 2022 NFL preseason. Lots to get into today. A lot of quarterback talk, talking about the young quarterbacks and some of them making their first appearances on the NFL NFL field. I was going to say start. Not all of them made their first start, uh, but also some Deshaun Watson talk as well from his performance in his preseason game. Earlier this weekend, Zach Wilson and his latest update, quarterback of the New York Jets. They just can't seem to catch a break and much more. Leading off with Desmond Ritter, quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, who played against the Detroit Lions and went 10 for 22, just over 100 yards, two touchdown passes uh, there. We all know that Marcus Mariota is the starting quarterback in Atlanta, but to start off his NFL career with two touchdown passes, what, 59 rushing yards. Not a bad start for Desmond Ritter, the rookie quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Ritter is obviously the number two in Atlanta. It doesn't look like they have a three because the only two quarterbacks that played were Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Ritter played the second, third, and fourth quarter. Like you said, went 10 for 22, which is a 45.5% completion percentage, but he threw two touchdowns, 103 yards. He ran for 59, as you said earlier. He looked all right. Uh, the stats are kind of deceiving. He ran really well, though. I would say that he was looking very good running. There was a couple of drop passes, but he also had an interception that would have been a pick six that was taken away due, due to a phantom uh, roughing the passer call. So it could have been a lot worse for Ritter, but he settled in after that through two touchdowns, looked all right in this game. I would give him a B minus for this first preseason game, but he's not going to be the guy to start off the season regardless. Mariota went two for two for 36 yards, ran all over the place for 23 yards and just one drive and a touchdown. He looked good. The Falcons maybe trending upward a little bit going to the season. I think that with the preseason with Atlanta, you're seeing a little bit more hope for a team that's obviously not going to make the playoffs this year, but they've got a bright, uh, bright future in Desmond Ritter. If he can continue to play like this throughout this next three or two preseason games, because there's only three now. Yeah. Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith said earlier this preseason, and even at the start of the training camp that Marcus Mariota was the starting quarterback for Atlanta, no matter what heading into the season. But I'm not sure that maybe week seven, week eight, if Mariota isn't playing well, that we couldn't see Desmond Ritter thrown in there. I don't think that they're going to throw him in there first four weeks of the season because you're setting that guy up for failure. We see that time and time again now in the NFL. But come week seven, eight, if Marcus Mariota is not doing so hot or they're not able to win games, I would not be shocked to see Desmond Ritter thrown into the fire and I don't know how much better he can do, but they at least know what they're building with. I think Mariota signed a two-year deal with Atlanta this offseason uh, with expectation, they would hope, of being a one-year starter uh, unless their, their draft pick and Desmond Ritter does not work out. Yeah, in my opinion, we're only going to see Desmond Ritter this season if Mariota gets hurt, which he does have a tendency to do. He was in Oakland, uh, Los, Las Vegas the last two years with the Raiders under John Gruden. He came in to run a lot. He looked pretty good in the games that he got to play in. Uh, backed up Derek Carr for a game and took him down the field and got the game-winning drive a, like a year or two ago. So, I mean, Mariota's got talent. He just has injury concerns like most rushing quarterbacks. I think we only see Desmond Ritter if Mariota gets hurt or if the Falcons are like going for the first pick again. Because, I mean, they, they spent like a, a third-round pick on Desmond Ritter, so they don't really have too much invested, either third round or like late second for Desmond Ritter. So, if they really want to tank and go for the uh, quarterback from Alabama next season going into the 2024 season, they could do that by throwing Ritter in. But he's obviously not ready for the NFL, but we'll see how he does in the next two preseason games. I think he showed a little bit of talent. 
Yeah, no doubt. And he was the 74th pick in the NFL draft. So third-round draft pick for the Atlanta Falcons. And Mariota's on a two-year 18.75 or $18.92 million deal. Uh, and that's that's a lot more of an investment than a third-round pick and a quarterback in Desmond Ritter. So it would take a lot for Mariota to lose his starting job, especially year one with Desmond Ritter as a backup. And you look up and down the roster for the Atlanta Falcons on the offensive side of the ball. You've got Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's really it. After they got rid of Julio Jones, he goes to Tampa. I know he left a couple of years ago, went to Tennessee. But still, Julio Jones was the face of the franchise for years. Matt Ryan obviously gone, which is why they have Marcus Mariota and drafted Desmond Ritter in that third round this year. And also Russell Gage, who was arguably and, in fact, was their best wide receiver last year. They let him walk. He comes to Tampa Bay. And now Atlanta not only hit a reset on the defensive side of the ball, but they had a reset offensively as well. And they're really going to be at the bottom of the scrum here at the NFC South, depending on how that quarterback situation pans out in Charlotte with Sam Baker and Sam Darnold. We'll have more on that. Or Brett, not Brett, almost said Brett Baker. And uh, Baker Mayfield, shout out to Brett Baker. Wish me uh, good luck the other day with my first opportunity with the Buccaneers at the game. Maybe that's why he was on my mind. But uh, anyways, so. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold quarterback competition there in Charlotte. Also another quarterback that was drafted here this year, a rookie Malik Willis showed out for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, He's a third round draft pick as well. Just like Desmond Ritter, he took on the Baltimore Ravens, went six for 11 passing over 100 yards, a rating of 88.1, 38 rushing yards and one touchdown for uh, this guy, Malik Willis, who I thought looked pretty good, but I will say his throwing motion and his release Throws me off. I would not draft him simply because of that. I can't. I cannot look at it. It's. I don't know. I do not like his. Re- his release is so weird. I. I don't like it. It's just not methodical. It's not typical. He looked good, but I. I just. I don't like his mechanics at all. I do not like his throwing mechanic. Yeah, I feel like his throwing mechanics have moved a little bit since he got out of Liberty. I mean, he was playing not very top tier competition at Liberty, but since he's got to the NFL, his throwing motion is kind of shortened up a lot so in that first preseason game I was pretty impressed he went six for 11 for 107 throwing the ball he ran for 38 yards uh I thought he played pretty well he had a nice a nice like 40 yard pass on a deep post route it was Mm -hmm. a beautiful throw along the sidelines in his two drives that he played I thought he looked pretty good especially because like Desmond Ritter with Atlanta this guy doesn't have very much the Titans don't have very much invested with this guy but I think he is the natural successor to Ryan Tannehill, who will be the starter going into the season, of course, because he's a proven winner like Jimmy Garoppolo. But Malik Willis looked pretty good. Mike Vrabel, after the game, kind of did not share those same sentiments. He said that he would rather Malik Willis get the ball out a lot quicker than he was getting it. Really? But then again, okay. Yeah, he played at Liberty going against some really bottom-tier competition. He was a, a, a quarterback that would roll out in the West Coast offense and – He's always on the move, so he's trying to become more of a pocket passer this season. Rabel's going to have to coach that into him. That's why he's not NFL ready, but he looked pretty sharp. And out of all the quarterbacks, I would say he's definitely top two out of the out of the preseason week one quarterback uh, stat lines. Yeah, and again, we won't have too many of these games to talk about this year. Typically four preseason games, now obviously cut down to three, uh, which stinks for those guys that are on the cusp of making the roster because they have less opportunity. Last night, I went to the Bucks. Uh, a Dolphins game and so many players were going down in the fourth quarter one safety for the Dolphins went down twice 
and he's punching the ground. He, you can tell he's crying because his his chest, you know, keeps raising and then lowering again. And you're thinking, man, this guy's career is on the line right here over an ankle injury because it's the fourth quarter. He's got hurt twice in that fourth quarter. It's a 90-man roster right now. He's got to make that 53. They're going to start cutting this week. Uh, and this guy got hurt twice in the fourth quarter alone. So automatically, without even really dissecting how he played, that guy is more than likely out because he wasn't able to stay healthy in one quarter, got hurt twice. Uh, whether it was a cramp or whatnot, I don't know. But just these little things here, especially with just having three preseason games as opposed to the traditional four, when when did they start implementing the three preseason games? Was this this year. year. This, this year. is the first year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a little bit different. I don't know if I feel like it does anything uh, for the NFL in terms of it being good. I guess that some teams might think, hey, less opportunity for guys to get hurt, maybe less opportunity for starters to get hurt. But the starters really didn't play much until that third or fourth game unless you're a really bad team, and then you might play more than one game. So I don't really see the whole purpose of the NFL doing so and then tacking on game number 17 to the regular season. Yeah, really good teams like it, of course, like the top 10 tier teams in the league. But teams at the bottom that are rebuilding like Atlanta probably do not like this because they're going to be rebuilding for the next couple of years before they even talk about playoff contention. They're kind of where the Jets were going into last season, the Falcons are. The Jets got much better this offseason. And I think that the teams that are at the bottom tier of the league, like the bottom 10 teams, really do not benefit from having a three-game preseason because they're looking for guys because they don't have the big stars. But the top 10 teams are just worried about injuries. And that's why with the Buccaneers game last night, you saw like no starters in that entire game because they yeah. didn't want to risk anything. And the Buccaneers have an embarrassment of riches at wide receivers. So they just wanted to see who they could, who will make the roster because only six wide receivers are going to make that roster. And four of them are already set in stone. Yeah, no doubt. I was just trying to find a sheet from uh, the press box on Sunday, the Bucks expected to be inactive that game, not for injury, just because they weren't going to play. It was It was this deep. And then you look yeah. at the Dolphins, and they had six players, including Tua. Gisecki started the game for the Dolphins. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I was thrown to 88, and I'm like, why is Mike Gisecki playing? And the Bucks are throwing over here to potentially fifth-string wide receivers. It's not just even. crazy. And that's the difference between a great team and uh, – an up-and-coming team in the Dolphins, if you take away two, if they had a great quarterback like a Tom Brady in Miami, the Dolphins are a much better team. But they're definitely on the come-up, and they've had two consecutively good years there in Miami. But still, that that difference between a great team and a good team is night and day. And I saw it just by looking at the uh, expected inactive list last night at that Bucks dolphins game. Also, a quarterback that played well on Sunday – or Saturday, I should say. I'm getting my days mixed up. Kenny Pickett, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a rookie, obviously, out of Pittsburgh, threw for 95 yards on 13 completions, two passing touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown pass to Tyler Vaughns against the Seahawks. And I thought he looked very well uh, for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mitch Trubisky, a guy that they brought in, they're paying the money to, obviously, with him being brought in as a free agent out of Buffalo last year. But Trubisky is not a proven winner in the NFL this is another situation that I have my eyes on. I don't think that Kenny Pickett's NFL game day ready by any means. I don't think he'll play this year. But in terms of moving forward after this season, I'm not surprised if Kenny Pickett gives Mitch Trubisky a run for his money. And Mason Rudolph this year, the veteran for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the second-string quarterback as of now, 
could honestly give Mitch Trubisky a run for his money. And we saw it last year when Big Ben went down. Mitch uh, Mason Rudolph filled in and uh, played, and I think he's played six or seven NFL games, made five or six starts so far. So they at least trust him and his ability to not lose a ball game. So if you see a guy like Mitch Trubisky not play so well, you could see Mason Rudolph step up. Again, Kenny Pickett had a good game, though. His first performance in the NFL, 95 passing yards on 13 completions, two pass touchdowns, and the game-winning touchdown, I think, with less than 10 seconds left against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Kenny Pickett, out of all these quarterbacks so far that we've talked about, is probably the most game-ready, but he plays with the Steelers, who have Mitchell Trubisky, of course, ahead of him. He's probably going to start off the season. He looked good yesterday, four for seven, 63 yards and a touchdown, averaging nine yards per attempt, and he had a 126.8 QBR. And then Mason Rudolph came in, played the bulk of the game, nine for 15, 93 yards, a touchdown as well. None of these quarterbacks had any turnovers. All three quarterbacks looked really good with the personnel that they were that they had mm-hmm. uh, at their disposal for their offense. I mean, the Steelers have a lot of wide receivers but like none of them were playing, none of the top tier wide receivers were playing for the Steelers. But Trubisky looked good, Mason Rudolph looked good, and Kenny Pickett, the rookie, also looked really good. So I'm not sure what direction Tallman's going to go to start the season. Well, it's def- it's probably going to be Trubisky. It's going to be Trubisky. But this the the number two spot is really up for grabs between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Like we said a couple of podcasts ago, Mason Rudolph has been on the roster for a long time, so already he already knows the Steelers' offense. But Kenny Pickett looked really good, and he's a rookie. And he's not a guy that they can have sit for a couple of years because he's already 24 years old. He was the oldest rookie quarterback out of all of them. So I don't know what they're going to do, but at the beginning of this season, we're going to see Trubisky. If he gets injured, I think we see Pickett before we see Rudolph. Yeah, I would agree. The thing with that is that the Steelers already know what Mason Rudolph has to offer. He's been in the league four or five years at this point. Uh, Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, they still believe in his potential, obviously. He's a young quarterback. Uh, in terms of experience in the NFL, he's 24 years old, which is not typical for a rookie quarterback. But they still want to see what he has to offer. And pushing him up to number two, you can look at that two different things or two different ways on the depth chart. You think, okay, this is going to motivate him to work even harder, or this could be a lot of pressure for a rookie quarterback that thought he was going to be a third-string quarterback sitting behind a free agent signing in Mitch Trubisky and second-string quarterback Mason Rudolph. So there really it is a flip of a coin and knowing Mike Tomlin I think he takes the safest route. This guy's made the playoffs, what, 17 consecutive years? and Or 15. No, he they've been at least 500 yeah. for that long. So, I don't know. I think he takes the safer route. And I would rather have Kenny Pickett feel comfortable and learn the system this year and have him feel great going into year two than kind of throw him into that mix now and see what he has to offer and see if he can handle being quarterback number two, having a veteran in Mason Rudolph, who has the most experience with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, out of all three quarterbacks on the depth chart. Yeah, and the thing about Mason Rudolph, like me personally, I don't think I'd want to start a quarterback that let another man grab the helmet off of his head and hit him with it. I, I don't know. I feel like the Yenzers, the Steelers fans, they don't respect Mason Rudolph, and he hasn't shown anything in the actual regular season games, and he's been there for four years. So I think if you're if you're in the Steelers' front office, I think you've got to put Kenny Pickett ahead of Mason Rudolph just based off the fact that Mason Rudolph let another man take his helmet off his head and hit him in the face with it. Yeah, that was crazy. I think even fans that could care less about football or that were you know, kind of uh, protesting the NFL at that time, they all checked it out. They're like, oh, man, this is awesome. Check this out. This quarterback just got whooped. Miles Garrett for the Cleveland Browns. Also another young quarterback, not a rookie, but a quarterback that has to make a splash with Jimmy Garoppolo 
the longtime starter for the San Francisco 49ers. He's a thing of the past now in San Francisco. Trey Lance had a great week uh, in his performance over the weekend. He played against Green Bay on Friday, four for five, 92 passing yards, one passing touchdown. One of them went to Danny Gray, 76-yard touchdown score. And Spence, you texted me yesterday and said, hey, Trey Lance played really, really well in his first preseason game. I was unable to watch his preseason game. Talk about what you saw from Trey Lance, second string or second year quarterback there in San Francisco. Yeah, Lance played one drive, four for five, 92 yards and a touchdown. And then you mentioned that really long touchdown pass that went like 40 something yards through the air. It was perfectly on the money along the sidelines, a lot like Malik Willis's pass. These quarterbacks are pretty similar to each other. And I think Trey Lance is going to be super good in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He's never had a mobile quarterback to work with. Trey Lance set a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a proven winner. I think he's learned enough. I think he's ready to take the reins into the into the regular season. And I think the, the 49ers have a lot of talent, and they are going to be a playoff team next season with Trey Lance at the helm. Yeah, and, and Jordan Love, or Trey Lance took on Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers quarterback, uh, who is now been in the league. He's been in the league for going on three years now in the NFL, and this guy is still, he hasn't convinced me, and I invested in his rookie cards hoping that one day he would you know, be that next Aaron Rodgers that set behind a great one in Aaron Rodgers, and I could sell these cards for five times worth what I paid for them. But this guy just does not show up when he's given an opportunity. Three interceptions thrown against the San Francisco 49ers defense. And head coach Matt LaFleur said that two of the three were not on him. But either way, you look at the stat sheet, he still had something to do with it. He had his paw on the football at some point in that play, threw three picks during the game against the San Francisco 49ers. Third-year quarterback, he went 13 of 24, nearly 180 yards passing, two touchdown passes. But again, this guy, time and time again, he's playing against backups. Most of these guys are rookie, second-year player. He's a third, third-year quarterback, not proving anybody that he was the right decision in Green Bay and giving the Green Bay front office and the Packers fans confidence that they have Aaron Rodgers' predecessor whenever Rodgers decides to hang it up. I don't think that Jordan Love is that guy right now, and I've invested in this guy's sports cards hoping that he would be good, and he hasn't done anything since he's been in the NFL. Every year it seems like he starts off his preseason with a a rotten egg. Yeah, I mean, we were looking for Jordan Love to be the next Aaron Rodgers sitting behind, like you said, a star quarterback like Brett Favre, this time being Aaron Rodgers. But it's looking more and more the more I see Jordan Love play. He hasn't shown anything in preseason. Looked horrible in the regular season last year in the one game he played against the Lions. He's looking more like the Sean Kaiser to me than he is looking like Aaron Rodgers. And I think that they play similar, and Jordan Love is just – I don't think he has it. Uh, Earlier on in the training camp, Aaron Rodgers raved about how Jordan Love has picked up the offense a little bit more going into the season. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the next two games, see how he does. But he's not ready, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is ready to retire either. So Jordan Love's – rookie contract might expire before Aaron Rodgers retires. Ayahuasca, is that how you say it? What? I, the thing that Aaron Rodgers went on before he won two MVPs. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah, Rodgers, you know, rejuvenated himself with that and won two MVP trophies. So maybe Jordan Love could pick up on that and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to win an MVP trophy sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, but maybe I can show out and practice throughout this season my third year in the NFL and prove the Packers front office that they made the right decision taking a kid out of Utah State University. I can't recall another quarterback that was drafted out of Utah State University 
Uh, and, and I think that his stat line in his college football career was weird. I want to say his junior year, he had a really good year. Senior year kind of dropped off a yeah. bit or vice versa. But it's starting to add up three years in the NFL. And you you really don't know what you have with this kid other than a bit of a letdown. He was a second-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers slides Jordan Love some ayahuasca, I would love him to slide me some as well if it's going to credit to more success for myself. But I don't think Jordan Love would benefit. That's almost too much success. I don't think Jordan Love would benefit from doing mushrooms because he doesn't have any talent, it seems. So Jordan Love, I don't know if he's going to be ready at any time in the season if Aaron Rodgers goes down. Hopefully he doesn't. But if he does, Jordan Love is not going to take the Packers to the playoffs. So I just found a stat. Jordan Love's sophomore year went off at Utah State University. 32 pass touchdowns, six interceptions, QBR of 158.3. Then his junior year, his final year in college, 2019 season, he threw 20 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. So he started off his college football career with back-to-back years with six picks. His, his freshman year, he had eight touchdowns, six picks. Then a great sophomore year, 32 touchdown passes, six interceptions, followed up by a terrible or subpar junior year, 20 touchdown passes, 17 picks. And then you have two for sure years where he's been a disappointment in the NFL, and he's going on to his third consecutive preseason in which he's letting everybody down. It's almost bust time for Jordan Love. Yeah, and this is the thing. You said he's from Utah State University. He wasn't very good at Utah State in his last season, as you just referenced. And a lot like Malik Willis, who's from Liberty. I mean, at least Malik Willis has like athleticism. He's got you can tell that he has upside. He looked really good in his first preseason game. We've seen Jordan Love from Utah State University, a lot like a school. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to Liberty in the competition that they play. But Jordan Love has not really progressed onto the next level of play he's he's not looked great like you said one of those interceptions I would say was not Jordan Love's fault it was a 50-50 ball tie goes to the cornerback for some reason in that scenario I don't know why but one of those interceptions wasn't his fault but he played for a long time he went 13 to 24 which is a 54.2 percent completion percentage 176 yards and he played a lot of that game I don't think he showed very much He's not very athletic. He doesn't have a very athletic upside. He went four for 24 rushing. He's got about the same athleticism as Desmond Ritter with the Atlanta Falcons. And Desmond Ritter's already shown more upside in one game than Jordan Love has in two two years. Yeah, I guess the one statistic that stands out for me is each completion, he said he had 13 pass completions, 176 yards. That's just over 13 yards per completion, which is pretty good. But then again, how much was on the receiver's? Other than that, he didn't really show out, but I'm looking here at his junior year in college. He played against Wake Forest to name off a couple of the schools that were relevant that he played against. He played against San Diego State, Colorado State, uh, Air Force, Boise State, Kent State. Those are the teams, those are the schools that I recognize. Did I say Wake Forest? That's one that I recognize as well. Other than that, it's, it's a matter of I don't know where that school's at. What state is that in? Much less what city. I have no idea. And this guy, I don't know. I just don't know about Jordan Love. And I think the Green Bay Packers are now concerned because they have to have their uh, answer for when Rodgers does hang it up. Now, I will say Rodgers does seem rejuvenated. He's done a lot of nice things for the community now and for fans, too. He's been funnier on podcasts. I know you're a big podcast guy in terms of uh, watching the Pat McAfee show. I actually enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers and his clips that they share on Twitter Uh, The other day, a boys and girls club went to tour Lambeau Field 
and it's off limits to go into the locker room as a part of a tour there. But Aaron Rodgers saw them outside the locker room, walked out into the hallway, said, hey, do you guys know where Aaron Rodgers' locker is? Joking with the kids, you know, middle schoolers. Then they, they go into the locker room with him. He takes pictures with the kids. I feel like two, three years ago, that's not the same Aaron Rodgers that we knew of. So it seems like Aaron Rodgers is rejuvenated. He's fine. He's found life. What is he? Thirty-seven years old. Yeah, he's thirty-eight. I think it's the ayahuasca. 30. I feel like he's high as a kite at all times. He's just ready to accept people. And I mean, his first ten years in the league, the only thing you heard about him was his separation from his family. How he was an absolute douchebag to everybody. We don't know if that was really true because anybody can spin a narrative on one singular person. <laughs> but over these last three years, people have grown to love Aaron Rodgers a lot. Like. A lot like whenever Tom Brady played with the Patriots, everyone hated him. Now he's with the Buccaneers, and people like him a lot more than they did whenever he was stuck in New England. So this ayahuasca is to Aaron Rodgers as the Buccaneers were to Tom Brady in terms of fan love. It's been a totally different story for Deshaun Watson, quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. It went from fans loving him and praising him as the fans are doing now for Aaron Rodgers to they're starting to hate Deshaun Watson. And at the game in which he made his first preseason appearance, his first appearance with the Cleveland Browns on the field over the weekend, fans were chanting, booing him heavily. They said, you sick, rhymes with truck, rhymes with muck, whatever it is, over and over and over and over again. Booed him for the entire drive he was out there. He went one for five, seven yards passing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Granted, they have a pretty good defense, but at the end of the day, this is a $200 million quarterback. Goes one for five. I know he hadn't played in a year, but come on. This guy was a top seven quarterback when he was playing in the NFL a little bit over a year ago. He had seven passing yards. His first pass attempt of the night was incomplete, well overthrown on an out route. He was rolling to his left, overthrew his target. Deshaun Watson had a rough start. I don't know if I'm surprised that they threw him out there to start off a preseason game. I think this is more or less of, hey, he's not going to play the first six games, if not more. Let's throw him out there and just get him acclimated to this Cleveland Browns offense. And fans did not welcome him. I think that even some Browns fans were booing this guy. Yeah, I mean, you like you would look at his stat line, think he played one drive, like you said. He played three drives. Three drives, yeah. one for five. He went three and out in 30 seconds on the first drive against the Jaguars defense. They only had like three starters in. The, the, the Browns had their entire starting offensive line in because they're trying to work that out. They had some starting receivers in. Watson goes one for five for seven yards. But the thing that worries me the most is his yards per attempt in this game, 1.4 per attempt. That's not per completion. That's, that's per, per that's, that's air yardage. Yeah. So he was trying to get it out quick. You see that everyone saw the one play where the Jaguar fans are booing him. He rolls out to the left, his usual play. Absolutely has a guy wide open and overthrows him by 15 mm -hmm. yards. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Perfect. I think he's yeah. Yeah. Fans get to him. He hasn't played in two years. He's not ready to play in my opinion. And I don't think he should be even out there playing because I think we see before preseason week three ends, Watson's going to be out for a whole season. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's the only decision here to be made. Uh, but we've seen so many games with the NFL. We saw a receiver in Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons get suspended a whole year for gambling on NFL games that he wasn't even involved with. And you see right now, Deshaun Watson, who has all these accusations and all these things going against him. He's suspended for six games currently. Tom Brady, what, he got four games for allegedly deflating football years ago uh, there in New England. And Deshaun Watson, what, 60 massage therapists and 24 press charges. I think 23 or 22 have been dropped at this point. Don't mark my words there. but And he's getting six games? 
Yeah, and another thing that worries me is that before the game, they did an interview uh, with the Browns media, and Deshaun Watson apologized for what he's done and what he's put these women through. But throughout this entire time, he's maintained that he was innocent and that all of this is a lie. He's been tweeting it out. But there he said he's sorry with what he's done, and that really worries me. I think he knows he's going to be suspended for an entire season. He's just trying to butter them up. Yeah, maybe indefinitely. We'll see. I'm sure the Browns have an out if he gets suspended indefinitely. I mean, the Jimmy contract Garoppolo. was fully guaranteed, but that that doesn't really mean anything in today's NFL. That's crazy because all of these other teams were interested in Watson, as they should be in terms of talent. And the Browns, it, it seems like they didn't do enough research on what was going on behind the scenes with Deshaun Watson because I think within two or three weeks after he signed in Cleveland, stuff just hit the fan, and it was a matter of, Oh, no, is our quarterback even going to be able to play? Because when he first got signed to Cleveland, they were talking, oh, this is a real deal playoff contender to a matter of less than 14 days. It's Jacoby Brissett will be our starting quarterback while Deshaun is out for however long he's going to be out. It's at least six weeks, if not more, depending on what the NFL does here as they countersuit. Yeah, and this wasn't a coincidence that he signed with the Browns because two weeks ago, the National Convention for Massage Therapists was held in Cleveland. So I think Deshaun Watson saw that on his on his calendar before all these acquisitions came out, and that's why he went to the Browns. And that's actually true. Like, I'm not making that up. The National no, Convention for Massage Therapists was in Cleveland. And I think maybe that's why Deshaun Watson went one for five. I think he, might have, he may have attended in a disguise, a lot like Bill Cosby probably would have done. One quarterback that has, you know, gotten a lot of uh I don't want I don't want to say hate, but yeah, caught hate. a lot of yeah, you want to call it hate? Yeah. Over the last at least three weeks of training camp, two and a half, three weeks of training camp, plus last year as well, Kyle Trask, quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, drafted out of Florida. Uh we don't know what we have with him. He hasn't really looked too hot, but he had a good preseason game against the Miami Dolphins on Saturday. He had a fumble that went for a touchdown. I watched the play multiple times. He tried to move up in the pocket. He really didn't have any help from the offensive line. I don't think he could have got that ball away live while watching the play. I thought, why didn't he throw that ball away? But as I rewatched the play earlier today before we recorded this, I don't think it was possible for him to get that ball away. The clock went off, but uh, it was it was a millisecond before the defensive end smacked that ball out. It just happened to be a case in which Trask, a guy that had caught a lot of Hate recently from Tampa Bay media, fumbled the ball. The Dolphins pick it up, return it for a touchdown to take a lead. And then he also threw an interception. Now that interception he threw was a freak play. I thought it was incomplete. I was at the game and I was like, okay, on to the next one. The official comes out on the field, ruling on the field stands, interception. I'm like, how did this happen? Some way, somehow off the, off the running back's hands. I think that was Rashad White. Was it White? Yeah. And, and it was picked off. And I don't know how it looked like the ball hit the ground. But some way, somehow, the linebacker followed the ball all the way before it was able to hit the turf and uh, fall incomplete. So Trask, other than that, 25 of 33, 258 yards passing, one touchdown pass, which was a beauty. I thought Kyle Trask played very, very good. Second-year quarterback who sat behind Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert for his first year in the NFL. And right now in training camp, he's... Number three quarterback on the depth chart. I would like to see him move up and surpass a guy like Blaine Gabbert. I don't think that happens this year because Blaine Gabbert does have all of the knowledge of the playbook. Tom Brady basically told the Buccaneers to re-sign Gabbert this year because Gabbert serves as a quarterback coach, per se, in that quarterback's room. And he helps out more than most people behind the scenes realize. 
Kyle Trask had a good performance against the Dolphins week one of the preseason. What do you think of Kyle Trask? Well, the stat line says two turnovers, of course, but I give half of the fault to him on the fumble. I feel like he should have maybe gotten the ball out a little bit sooner. I don't know if he really could have, though. And the interception, I think he forced that pass. I mean, it was real. It was super unlucky that that got intercepted. But he was in the he was in the grasp of, of a defensive lineman about to be sacked. He's got to just eat the sack because that was third and like twelve. He decides to lollipop it over to the running back who wasn't ready for that ball. I don't think. I mean, I don't. If I were the running back, I wouldn't have suspected him to throw that out. It was kind of like a Jameis Winston esque type of play yeah. because there's no shot that they're going to get a first down by dumping it off on third and twelve or whatever to a running back triple covered. But Trask, I would say he's he deserved one of those turnovers. He looked really good in my opinion. Seven point eight yards per attempt, a touchdown interception, ninety five point three QBR. I thought he looked super good because the Buccaneers media, the fans have been tearing this guy down all offseason so far. I, like, granted, I believe that he wa- he probably wasn't the right selection after the Buccaneers won a Super Bowl whenever their window's still open, which it still is. But they could have gone with a position that maybe they needed, like some secondary help or something last season in the second round. Instead, they got Kyle Trask. I thought he looked super good, so I was pretty I was pretty pleased with Kyle Trask's performance in week one. It almost seems like the Bucks front office was so dead set that they're going to make another deep playoff run and potentially run it back. They're like, hey, let's look for the future after Tom Brady. Yeah, we and the reason, that, the reason they, they took that chance is because they returned all 22 starters like on offense and defense. So, I mean, I, I, I can see why yeah, Jason Knight went, went, went with a quarterback, but it doesn't seem that having a quarterback sit behind for a couple of years works out in the NFL as no. much as it used to. Because the quarterbacks coming to the NFL now, if they're good, are probably already ready to be in the NFL. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He sat behind Tom Brady for a couple of years. He finally succeeded once he left New England, but he wasn't great in New England. You see Jacoby Brissett sat behind Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time for a couple of years. He hasn't really panned out. He's basically a career backup. So it doesn't really work in the NFL, but we'll see how it fares for Trask. I thought he looked great in week one. Brian Hoyer, Jarrett Stidham, so many quarterbacks that sat behind Tom Brady. It, it could also be questioned, is Tom Brady a great mentor for these younger quarterbacks, or is he holding out and thinking, hey, you know what? I'm going to do me. You guys can watch and follow along. I, I don't know. But coincidentally, the backups that sit behind Tom Brady have not really done anything. And it's always been, hey, he sat behind Tom Brady, the greatest to ever do it. Jimmy G's the only guy to really do anything with that, and he lost the Super Bowl in which he missed a guy down the seam. I would think that Jameis Winston at the time, who was – a 30-for-30 guy would have hit that ball. Yeah, I mean, you look at the NFL and you see defensive linemen helping each other out, sharing techniques. You see offensive linemen helping each other out, sharing techniques. You occasionally see receivers. But a position like quarterback, whenever you have a a quarterback that you just drafted sitting behind a really good quarterback, it just doesn't work out like that because the really good quarterback knows he's going to be in the NFL for five more years. And he also knows that he's getting paid much more money than this rookie who, if he shares all of his knowledge, could end up taking his job, not because he's as good as this guy, but because he costs so much less money and they can build a better team. So with the quarterback like Tom Brady, I don't think he shared all of his all of his uh, his abilities with the backup quarterbacks that he's had in his career. Uh, I just got an update from Zach Blobner of WDAE. He says, uh, alert, if you're not paying attention, Rays, Drew Rasmussen is working on something special in St. Pete through six, through six innings so far. All right, so he just jinxed Did he just jinx? Yeah. Yeah. Blobner, I doubt you're tuned in because you're a busy man, but... Clip it and send it to him. He jinxed the shit out of that. Shame, shame, shame. Yeah, Rasmussen. uh, John Dugas. 
At not not just a no hitter. He's throwing a perfect game through six innings, oh, no. and he's only at fifty four pitches with five Ks through six innings. Wow. I mean, Shame. I, get, I get that he's excited, but you can't tweet it out, Blobner. You can't you can't text oh, to, to Chris. He, yeah. What in the world? But anyways, uh, any other quarterback we're missing? Oh, Zach Wilson, quarterback of the New York Jets. <laughs> I love this photo right here. The Keebler Elf. <laughs> Look, uh, this guy's a baller. He's got the Air Jordan headband. Unfortunately, he got hurt in their first preseason game of the year. He suffered a bone bruise, a meniscus tear, and is expected to miss two to four weeks. Joe Flacco could be the starting quarterback for week one in New York, which would be crazy to see because I saw early on in training camp that Joe Flacco looked better than Zach Wilson. Granted, that was the first week of training camp, and Flacco's playing against second and third string guys, but Joe Flacco, who you may think retired after that 2012 Super Bowl run, is still in the NFL, and it looks like he's going to start week one for the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson has quickly became one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league after the news came out this offseason because this guy's slamming milfs, but he's also throwing dots on the field. The Jets have high expectations going into year two for Zach Wilson. He may miss the first game, no big deal. I think the Jets are going to look pretty good this year if Wilson can show up like he did at BYU because last year going into the draft, he looked super good in that in his combine. He looked good in his final season in college. Uh, of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence was going to be the first overall pick, but Zach Wilson has a ton of upside and he's already got experience as well. So going into year two, I think Wilson's going to look good. Fortunately for the Jets, they don't have to worry about a, a full repair of his meniscus, but he will undergo a trim on his meniscus here this week. But either way, Zach Wilson is poised to have a big year here for the New York Jets. I like their offense. I think they got a lot of speed. Uh, great running back core there too. I forget the the really good running back they have, but he made some big plays last season and obviously is poised for a big year this year too. We'll see how their head coach, is it Salah? Yeah. We'll see what Robert he does Salah. this year. Last year, I was a little bit questionable of his calls and how he handled himself on the sidelines, but I think with Zach Wilson, who had a pretty big offseason, we know why. Uh, he might have a good year, but either way, guys, that's it for the Chris Mathis podcast. We appreciate you guys checking us out. We're going to start doing live broadcasts at some point. I don't know when. We're trying to plan this out with the football season starting underway here in Tampa. I'm trying to balance the schedule a little bit before we get into live broadcasts. But what we'll do is we'll stream live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, Facebook. And then you'll be able to re-listen, re-watch at your leisure on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Spencer's swatting flies. He's done. He's ready to go. He's got a dip. That is it for the Chris Mathis podcast. We will catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.